Okay. Uh, last last week, Ryan filled in for me, which I'm appreciative for. Uh, we uh, were at North MacArthur for their 50th anniversary, and the sermon that morning was from Revelation. Uh, Jeff Jenkins, who was at North MacArthur for a, a decade, I believe, preached out of Revelation, and a friend of mine, a fellow student, though he went after me, but he was one of the one of the basketball guys at North MacArthur that was converted there uh, through that. He read the scripture from Revelation, and he said, turn to Revelations chapter 1. <laughs> Can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. When I was working with the church bus, we had a contest with the kids. And one of them had to do with that. And we were good, like a baseball thing, in which each kid went up a step. Anyway, the smartest little girl in the whole class said revelations and missed the question. Mm. Just determined, probably, that she was right. It's just one revelation, a uh, co coherent theme throughout. Uh, but it's okay. You're not, uh, God's not blotting you out of the book of life for saying uh, revelations. Okay, last week we talked about witness. Uh, last week we talked about uh, witness, the word witness, and testimony and martyr. It's all the same. It's all the same Greek word, but we get it in English a lot of different ways. Uh, in uh, in English, that I think better communicates what exactly we're talking about. A witness, somebody who saw those things, versus the testimony, something that is uh, spoken, uh, generally. Uh, and then you have uh, the martyrdom, which is those that have seen and or shared, and as a result have uh, been killed because of that witness. Uh, and so a big word for Revelation, uh, encompassing the, uh, the Christians here in the book and what they're going through. Today I want to move to the word conquer. Uh, I want to start with something that we'll actually have within the... I'm, I'm not doing this on purpose, but it, this will relate to the sermon again, like the last class I did related to the sermon. Uh, you'll notice at the top of your paper there, under <coughs> the end, uh, it says Christus Victor. Uh, there are uh, different... It's just Latin... There are different uh, thought processes about what exactly was accomplished at the cross, uh, and it's presented in a, was it this, or was it that, or was it this, when in reality it's probably a combination of those things. Uh, but this phrase, this concept, Christus Victor, suggests that the cross was, uh, the, the character, the defining aspect of the cross is that it was the place where God had his victory through, through Jesus, uh, had his victory over evil and conquered those things, uh, ultimately defeating those. Colossians, Ephesians kind of talks about, well, not kind of, it talks about that idea, about the evil forces being put uh, to, uh, to rest there. And Revelation very much has this idea in mind. Uh, when we talk about conquering today, I think we'll see that. Throughout the Revelation, the people of God are shown to be in persecution, and yet they're not described as victims or told to live in fear, but rather that they are conquerors 
through the blood of Jesus and the sharing of his testimony. Uh, so we're going to pursue this word conquer uh, or overcome. That's the other way that it's typically translated in English. Uh, we'll look at that word with conquering Christians. Uh, some of the evil forces that are talked about as being conquerors, just in a, a few passages. Uh, and then conquering Christ, uh, which is connected to the Christians here at the beginning. Okay, still there on page one, because we just started. Uh, in the opening few chapters of Revelation, John writes to seven churches of Asia. His letters consist of warnings, at least to five of the churches. I guess we could say warnings to all of them. When I say warnings here, uh, what I mean is there are five of these seven that are drifting or pretty close to being gone. Uh, and so they are being warned to get it together. You know, turn this thing around uh, right now. Uh, but they're all also encouraged uh, at the very end. And there are two phrases that are repeated to all of these churches within those letters. He who has, has an ear, let him hear, which is a very Jesus phrase for John to use. Uh, and the phrase, the one who conquers or the one who overcomes, uh, depending on your translation there. So we're going to read through those. They're midway through page one, going into page two there. Uh, these are the, the ways that we see these. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God, Revelation 2, 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death, Revelation 2, 11. Uh, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Uh, chapter 2, verse 17. To the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as, with, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, we just keep escalating every time we, we go through this. Uh, tree of life, tree of life, second death, and then we start getting into weird stuff. White stones, authority over the nations, all this. Uh, the one who conquers, this is the first one in chapter 3, will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Top of page two. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Seven churches being talked to here, encouraged to overcome, to make it through uh, and conquer. And then the very last one there, kind of tying all of the pieces together, brings Jesus as conqueror as well. It ties that group with Jesus. They will conquer just as I have conquered. And we'll come back to Christ in just a moment. Uh, but last week, with the discussion of martyr, and don't look at the next section that talks about martyrs of Revelation, there wasn't a good way for me to cut that off so that you couldn't read it. So just don't read it. 
uh, how, how might this idea of conquering and this encouragement to conquer relate to the idea of martyr from last week? Remain faithful to the end, you will be rewarded. Yeah, we've, we've got people throughout Revelation that have already been discussed as uh, having been killed. Uh, they would have seen these people, many of them anyway, would have seen them die. The persecution was not an idea to them. It was a reality for them. They have seen friends and family die. And the people that they're reading about in Revelation, they would probably be thinking about their past friends and family uh, that have gone on and been killed under the Roman Empire here. Uh, and so they've already seen this take place. And they're being told, continue on. You know, be faithful. Uh, but this word conquer here is not a... I mean, it's not a it's not a term that says, hey, this is going to be tough and you're barely going to make it through. If 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 I were to say that one team conquered another one or one uh, one nation conquered another nation, you wouldn't go, oh, that nation was heavily oppressed and just squeaked out some victory somehow. Conquering is a very definitive term of. They won big time over the other side. And that's the word being used of Christians that are being killed off. You guys conquer. I, I know that they're killing you off. I know that they're persecuting you, that they're fighting you in all these ways, that, you're, uh, that they're pushing you out from the marketplace and all this other stuff. You are conquerors. And how, how, how do they conquer? More than conquerors. Yeah. Uh, how, do they, how do they conquer through death? How can you have these people are dying, but they're conquerors? How can both those things be true? Because they're dependent upon God. Okay, because they depend upon God. That's why. Okay, God and His uh, and His promises. Okay. And His plan for humanity. Okay, and His plan for humanity. So we have promises and plan, which are correct and also general. So let's get more specific with promises and plan. Oh, and go ahead. Yeah, if Stephen was the first Christian conquered, you know, uh, and he's been murdered. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's one of the ones that speaks of in Revelation 6 again, that's still waiting for that to be advanced. So uh, I don't know how get to think about Satan and his work too, you know, but they're more or less restricted. They're on a leash. I was talking about sure. the being martyred. Yeah. Stephen being probably the first one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thought, right? So Revelation, where you have the martyrs crying out for, uh, for justice, for uh, God to do the work that he's going to do. Uh, you can just think of, of Stephen. Uh, being that that uh, Christian martyr, uh, that first one there in Acts, uh, and crying out. But we we would see these martyrs who have died still being active. They're still involved in this discussion with God and all of this. So physically they've died, but do they stay dead? Yeah, no. There, there's resurrection. There is going to be this resurrection. And those that are being killed off understand this. That's why they're conquerors. 
Uh, we'll come back more to that at the end if you're not with me or that line of thought and all of that stuff. We will come back around to that. Okay, any other thoughts about martyrs conquering? How can you be somebody that is killed but also be the victorious one? Your faith has been victorious to the very end. Yeah. What yes. You, you don't have to have faith. They're going to see reality. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have a lot to say about faith here in a minute, too. Okay. Martyrs of Revelation. Let's look at that. Uh, Revelation provides us with repeated reminders of the Christians that have suffered and died under the power of the Roman Empire. We won't read all those. Those were included in your handout last week, which I think we still have some of over on that music stand thing. Uh, but... You can see chapter 2 and 6 and 11 and 12 and 17 and 20, just all throughout you have these uh, Christians who were killed for the testimony of Jesus. Uh, and again, for these Christians, for the reader, the first century reader, the one opening, the, the, one, the ones to whom Revelation was written to uh, as primary audience, uh, they would not have... This would not be theory. This would be their friends, their family that have died. This would be uh, maybe in some cases their neighbors that they watched get carried off and killed for Christianity's sake. This was, this was very real. This was the world that they were living in. Uh, and the effects of that persecution touched their lives, would continue to come upon them as they sought to live a life for God. And here you have Jesus through John encouraging these Christians here in these various places to conquer. Doesn't mean they won't face death, but that they're victorious in death. Uh, that death is not the end, that there is something after that. And so they can be called conquerors even if they do make it to a physical death. Uh, the second one of these that we read, the one who conquers will not face the the second death, and that comes up later in Revelation, uh, and we'll discuss that at some point. Uh, but that idea, even the first one, you'll be able to take of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so there is this reminder of there's something more after this. That's why they are conquerors. There, there's something that continues uh, after all of this. And so even physically dead, that's not it. It's not over. They haven't lost. They are, in fact, the winners. To be killed for Christ's sake uh, is to make one uh, victorious. This is very similar, middle of page two there, to the Old Testament idea of remnant, which is discussed a lot during their time in exile, which is the primary Old Testament section that we've dealt with as we've gone through Revelation are the exile texts because they're related. Uh, these Christians here in the Revelation are in an exile. Uh, they, are, uh, they are being outnumbered. They are being persecuted. They are feeling the weight of the people around them that are coming after them, just like those in Daniel's writing and Jeremiah's writing and Isaiah's writing and Ezekiel's writing, uh, those books there. And that's where this remnant idea is discussed, uh, and more than that, <laughs> within the other prophets as well. Uh, but these ideas are very similar. Uh, the, what, what is the Old Testament remnant idea? Can somebody summarize that for me? What was the remnant in the Old Testament? Purified by suffering, but remaining faithful while most aren't. Yeah. will always be some part of God's people. Yeah. 
there will always be some part of God's people, uh, and it's those coming out of the, the suffering of that exile that continue on that are hopefully uh, purified, uh, and Peter likes that phrase uh, as well, uh, having gone through that difficulty and have emerged as something, hopefully, stronger, because the reason they end up going into exile in the Old Testament uh, is because of the worship of idols, the leaving of God behind, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, And so they end up reaping the consequences of those choices, uh, which causes them to face incredible persecution, ends up with many of them dying uh, just in the transition period as one kingdom comes in to conquer them. Uh, and then others dying as they move into the place of exile. But there will be some that return. There will be some that come back. There will be some that remain uh, with God. There will be some that are brought back to uh, the promised land, brought back to the place where the temple is, where God's presence is. And you can just look at all the references here. Ezra, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Amos, Micah, Haggai, Zechariah, and I did not include... All of the, I mean, there's more references in Isaiah than these references here. Uh, there's quite a few that talk about remnant and this group returning and what God wants to see from this group returning. Uh, they're, uh, they're flourishing as they make it back to God's promised land that he gave to them, the, the city of his. And again, all of that language is here in Revelation as well. So they, they've seen this before. The, the people going through the revelation here, uh, through this persecution that's within the revelation, they would be thinking about this kind of stuff. They've seen this before. This is not new for their people. But this is something that God's people always go through for some reason. Uh, sometimes it is because of their own decisions. Sometimes it's because of what other people choose to do. Uh, the effects of sin and all of that. In fact, our section summary there is written like this. Uh, Throughout the biblical narrative, the people of God are shown regularly to be in a place of suffering, sometimes because of their own choices and always because of the effects of sin and the spiritual warfare they were engaged in. It is God's desire that his people not view themselves in the position of victim, but rather to trust the God that goes before them. Live knowing that they will be victorious because, as the final conquer verse in Revelation 3 says, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I, that is Jesus there, also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The Christians conquer because their Savior has conquered. Because he has conquered the powers of uh, the world through his death, and so they're identified together. These Christians can know that they're victorious in death because after Jesus' death, he ascends to the throne. And they're told here at this last one, that's yeah, you're going to be up there too. Judging the nations in the where, where the tree of life is, names written in the book of life. That's why they're victorious. That might mean that they die physically though. And that's, that is a, a hard concept to... Uh, wrap our minds around because if we're in a if well this is all throughout the bible but i want to see what you say if we are in a place where going and killing christians is normal and approved and a good thing 
what might we be tempted to think about God? You, you, what's that? We've been forgotten. Not real. Doesn't have power. Okay. He, yeah. He's he doesn't have the power. Maybe he doesn't exist. Uh, he doesn't care about what's going on. Just go read through the Psalms. Go read through, and that is the right way to say that. By the way. you read through the Psalms, but okay. Uh, when you're referring to one, you drop that. You, you go read through the Psalms and you see what the Christians are saying there. You go read through our exile texts of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, well, Lamentations as well, big time. Uh, and Daniel and all those where you have the people of God in this kind of situation where they say, God, where are you? Are, are you aware of what's happening? Are you paying attention to these things? Do you care? Do you have the power to deliver us from these sorts of things? Daniel especially uh, is just a really interesting book when you view it from the standpoint of not just uh, Israel and Babylon and then Persia, but you look at the forces behind that, the, the spiritual realm side of those things, because you're constantly presented with uh, the powers within Babylon, those that uh, can... Uh, do various wonders or tell dreams and all that sort of stuff, and they constantly fall short in the face of Daniel and his God, even in a foreign land. It's really cool stuff. There's there's stuff behind the physical. If you were in that class earlier this year, that's cool to you. If you weren't in there, then you're going, I don't know what you're talking about. That's weird. Uh, but you can listen to those classes online. We've recorded them. Uh, but there's stuff going on behind the scenes there. Uh, of what's taking place, uh, showing Daniel and the readers of Daniel that God is powerful, that God is involved, that God is doing something while they're there. But the temptation is to think, when we're in a situation where stuff like that is happening, uh, where is God? Why is God letting these things occur? And John just goes straight into, view yourself as victorious. Yes, you might die, but so did Jesus. And you are identified with him. Because just as he rose from the dead, so too will you. And that's not just a John thing. That's what Paul argues about what baptism is. But that idea of he died and so you die. Just as he was raised, so you will be as well. That idea of we're joined in his death and his resurrection. John's bringing that back here in the Revelation. And that means that we are conquerors. Go ahead, Don. So I see in, in most of this understanding that because of God's victory, whatever it is, whatever Old Testament, New Testament, we have our victory right back behind that because of His mm -hmm. victory. And that's the only reason. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, evil is said to conquer within this book. Uh, and John, John does use that word twice uh, to talk about evil. I think it's interesting, particularly in, I want to say chapter 13, yeah. Uh, if you want to turn over to chapter 13, I don't actually have references on the paper. I have references. I don't have the verses on the paper. We're going to read a little bit out of 13. So we get two beasts there, and you're going to want more information on those things, and that's fine. That's what we'll do next week. We'll talk about bad stuff uh, next week. Remember that we're getting to the very good stuff at the, the end of this class, so you know, stay, stay with us. <coughs> Conquering evil, bottom of page two. 
It only happens twice, but the word conquer is used in relation to two different beasts in Revelation 11 and Revelation 13 as well. Revelation 13, we have uh, two different beasts that are listed there, and so I think you could argue that conquer is used for both of them, so maybe three uh, different creatures or things or forces or however you want to describe it uh, are said to conquer, uh, but it, it only happens a little bit. Uh, but you have these evil forces that are said by John to be conquering forces. Once we add in the various references to the other beasts that exist outside of those two, uh, and the martyrs, those that have been killed already uh, in the face of these things, and knowing that more of that is going to come, uh, it becomes clear that the spiritual forces of evil, and that's an intentional phrase, uh, aren't just going to roll over and give up their attempt at dominion in the world. This is not a, I understand, this is top of page three, by the way. I understand why Revelation is difficult. Primarily, Revelation is difficult because we do not understand our Old Testament like we should. That's why it's so hard. Uh, when we have a good understanding of the Old Testament, we have a much better understanding of Revelation. Uh, but alongside that, part of our trouble with Revelation is that we don't quite understand the spiritual stuff like we should. Uh, we view people as the enemy or organizations as the enemy. And while those things can be bad and do bad things, there's something behind that. It's always been the case. Uh, again, that class that we did earlier this year uh, shows that from Gen Genesis 3 uh, and onward. Uh, and that's very much part of the discussion here. This is not the first time in the New Testament this comes up. Paul is... Uh, I think you could say obsessed with it in Ephesians. He wants to move past the Jew versus Gentile thing to say there's something bigger here that we should care about more. Uh, but he, that's where his concern is in that book. Hey, this is not some revelation idea and spiritual forces fighting one another. Isn't this why? Yeah, Paul already did that in Ephesians, and we don't have trouble with Ephesians. Uh, we kind of skip over those parts a little bit or just cover them quickly. But this stuff isn't new discussion. Uh, the idea of spiritual forces, both good and bad, going at each other, and us being involved in that process. Okay, here's what I find interesting, and we'll be in chapter 13 here in a second. What I find most fascinating about the conquering of evil is not how it seeks to conquer. In Revelation 13, just to summarize those pieces, uh, you have power and you know accumulating masses and, and having uh, the, the largest army, so to speak, uh, pride, coercion, deception, all those things. That's how evil works. That's, that's what evil tries to do to, to win. Uh, but rather how it's conquered. That's what's interesting to me. Hey, we, we have evil presented in the book as this force that is seeking to conquer, that to some degree is winning. But in all of those places, it's followed up by, but they're defeated in this way by the Christian. But they're defeated this way by Jesus. So even when we talk about conquering evil entities here, we have Christians and Christ being victorious. Revelation 13. Uh, what sections do I want to read specifically? I don't know. You could read it all. We'll start in verse 1 and see what happens. Uh, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads, and the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. 
The dragons from the previous chapter will get there later. Uh, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? Right? Power. That's how, that's how these forces seek to win, is by dominating others. We're bigger than your God. We're bigger than uh, the stuff that you have. We'll, you know, we're, we're stronger, all that stuff. Uh, verse 5. And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. Even there already, allowed to, uh, there is this, uh, something is allowing it to have this ability. Uh, it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. There's our word, uh, to conquer them. An authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Okay, so we have some of our pieces that we've already discussed coming back now, uh, the every tribe language here and all of this, and there is this victory, but it's not a victory for the evil forces over those whose name is written in the book of life. It's not victory over those who are following the lamb who was slain, which, I mean, we, we only need to go back to the verses that we read when we started this class. That's talking about the Christian who continues uh, in faithful following of God. Well, they might die, but they won't be conquered by these things. The ones who get conquered are the ones who decide to worship and follow these things, not those that are with God. Continuing on, uh, if anyone has an ear, verse 9, let him hear. That sounds familiar. Uh, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Okay, this endurance and faith of the saints, and we, uh, we may note this yeah, in, in chapter 12 in just a moment. Uh, it's this faithfulness, this continued faithfulness to God, continued sharing of the testimony, continued following after the commandments of God. That's how Christians conquer. That is really interesting to me. Because you have one side saying, our, we, we have more people in our army than you, we're bigger than you, our weapons are better than yours. And John says the Christian fights by continued endurance and faithfulness in God. Now they may take your life, but that's all they can take which is a weird way for us to think, but it's the right way to think. We'll come back to that. Uh, but this is how we conquer, the holding of faith and keeping of commands of God. It's through these things we bring about God's kingdom to the world. And this is from chapter 12 and verse 11, right next to that, that page there. Talking about the dragon who is identified as uh, the serpent of old, Satan, which takes us all the way back into Genesis, and John will take us to Genesis several times in the Revelation. He also takes us to Genesis in the opening chapter of his gospel, by the way. Uh, John likes Genesis uh, and refers back there a lot. Uh, but talking about Satan, so we know who this is discussing, verse 11 of chapter 12. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. Let's read one more verse there. 
Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. That doesn't sound like evil is going to win. It sounds like they're going to try, but they're going to lose. And they're going to lose to the people that are following after the blood of the Lamb. They're going to lose because Christ is the conqueror, and they're going to lose because the Christians that follow that Jesus are going to continue to share in his testimony, their faithfulness. That's how we win. That's how we win. And I think, I think a good way to describe that kind of alongside this, when we think about this from a spiritual realm perspective, it is a, a battle of empires. I think this was the class I did two weeks ago, discussing empires. That's what this is. And not America versus, but the people of God versus uh, the forces of evil. Uh, that's what this is. And the way that we defeat those forces is to continue to show others this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what happens when you follow the kingdom of God. Yes, there is death, but there is something beyond that that is eternal, that is, uh, that is untouchable by these things. And that's how we win, by showing these people that there's a greater kingdom to be a part of. They may not, it may not look like they have the biggest army, the strongest, all that sort of stuff, but this is the kingdom that wins. And when we believe that and live that, no matter what the cost of that is, uh, that is going to cause some people to leave that kingdom and come to God's kingdom. Uh, it's also going to empty the forces of evil of its power. Because if you know and live... Uh, in this kingdom that you know is not going to be shaken, as it's described uh, in, in a couple places, this kingdom that cannot be shaken, that you have these things that cannot be taken away from you by, the, by those forces of evil, if you have the, the evil that is offering to you all the riches of the world, and you say, I know that this world is going to pass on, and I'm a part of something that remains, it has no power over you. None. That's the best it can offer. <clears throat> That's not good enough. It, it's not just a, well, all it can do is, is kill you. On the other side of that is all it can do is offer you stuff that won't exist. And stuff that's going to bring you death anyway, by the way. Because that's what sin brings. That's the best it has to offer. And the people of God know that they're a part of a kingdom that leads to life and life eternal. So when you follow that, uh, this evil that is trying to conquer loses. Can't win. And that's how we conquer evil. Amen. Following after Jesus and being faithful to him. Okay, got kind of preachy there. Next section, uh, conquering Christ. We're identified with Christ here. The Christian is identified with Christ and his conquering uh, throughout the book. A couple of these verses uh, are going to show that uh, uh, joining together of the Christian in Christ. Uh, but I think this was the right place to put these. One of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. We just saw that phrasing. With seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Uh, then in chapter 12 here, uh, we read, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of uh, their testimony. And we'll stop there, uh, having already read that. Uh, next section there in verse 15, or chapter 15. 
I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its names, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. And I wanted to include that one there, even though it's talking about the conquering Christians, uh, because of this continued singing the song of the Lamb. We keep having the sacrificed Lamb over and over again in these references, because that's how we win, by being faithful to the one who was slain for us that continues to live. Uh, last one there in chapter 17. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who uh, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. There you go. That, that last one's a pretty good summary of this. Jesus, the, the slain Lamb, is going to conquer, slain but still living, because there's something more than, than death. He is proof of that. Uh, and those that are with him, called, chosen, and faithful, uh, are going to follow him into that next life as well, that eternal life, that true life. Okay. Uh, I have a question there, but we're going to skip the question to get to this conclusion part. I think this is important. There's one more conquering uh, word that's used. Final usage of conquer comes towards the end of Revelation. The usage of the phrase bears striking similarity to the first occurrences to the churches. Okay, Bigger section, Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. If you go back to page one, uh, talking about the one who sits on the throne of God, uh, talking about uh, the... Uh, talking about, here it's water of life, talking about tree of life in that section, but those two things are combined when we get to the end of the book. Uh, talking about uh, the second death there at the very end, all of those things are, if you conquer, you will get to, to go to the one who's sitting on the throne. You will get to go to the tree of life where the water of life is. Again, those are combined at the end of the book. Uh, you will be in the paradise of God. You will avoid the second death. So all this stuff is coming to its conclusion here towards the end. Uh, and here you have this, uh, the, the one who conquers. It's a reference back to the Christians. Uh, the, the ones who remain faithful, the ones who continue forward. In fact, the, that very last part where it says, but as for the cowardly, that's uh, Revelation 21.8. I don't know if you ever <coughs> sung that song uh, it's. I don't want to sing it because it'll be on the recording. But the words are, <laughs> Revelation, Revelation twenty one eight twenty one eight. Liars go to hell. That's that's the verse. The kids sang for whatever reason. I don't know why. It's not like a VBS song. I just remember singing it in middle school when somebody would lie, and that's the way that we could stick it to them. Uh, uh, the Bible says. Uh, but this this verse comes right after the one who conquers. The one who conquers. 
those that do not conquer are those that have joined with the forces of evil that are doing things like <coughs> cowardly, being faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. The people that are doing those things are the ones that are joined <coughs> to the losing side. They're doing those things because that's a way to gain power, that's a way to gain foothold, that's a way to get some kind of traction, but all that stuff is going to be, uh, all the success that they might get from lying and deceiving and, and gaining power and all that is not going to last, and it ends with second death. That They're going to face something far more terrible than just death. Everybody's going to die, uh, well, not necessarily everybody's going to die physically, I think you understand what I'm saying. Physical death is a reality uh, for all people. However, life and second death await after that. Those that are with the forces of evil don't see that. It's this life, and that's what they have. And so gain that power, gain that authority, gain that traction, get all those things, not knowing it's going to pass away, not knowing that they might feel like they're winning now, but they're going to lose, and it's going to be a horrible thing for them. On the other side... The one who conquers, the one who remains faithful, that avoids these things, that follows after God, knows that there is something after this. The, the water of life, the, the temple of God, the throne of God, uh, the white stone, the book of life, all of these things uh, are going to be theirs if they remain with him. Page four. The words of Jesus and Luke's gospel continue to ring true. I like how it's phrased here better than in Matthew's gospel. Do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. It's phrased a little differently uh, in Matthew's gospel, but I like this. They can kill your body, but that's it. That's all they can do. There's nothing more after that. That's, that's all they can threaten you with. Take the physical away. For the Christian, that shouldn't matter. I mean, it, I, I understand why it does matter. Uh, there is an enjoyment to this world. We, we are created to some degree to have that enjoyment, by the way. Nothing wrong with that. Unless we extend that beyond the bounds of where it's supposed to go. But the worst thing that can happen to us is our physical can go, but people cannot take away, unless you let them, they cannot take away your place in God. They, they can do anything to you that they want. They cannot take that away from you. Unless you choose to give that up. The Christians of the Revelation conquer because they know that they are part of a different kingdom. They know that there is something beyond this life that cannot be touched by the enemy. As a result, Christians then and now ought to live in faithfulness, in conduct, and in sharing the testimony of God to others. Through the living out and sharing of his kingdom, we conquer the forces of evil that seek to keep us trapped in their kingdom. Go ahead, Doug. I think it's important, and maybe a statement of the obvious, but we have a soul, okay? And that soul is in a physical, his name Douglas. But that, the idea is we want to save our soul, not our physical life, because that's not going to happen. Uh, physical. Our soul is what's going to can suffer the second as a result of that. Yeah. If we die here, what's, there's no big deal. Yeah. Except if you're not saved. We'll have some more to say about that stuff too as we get towards uh, the end of Revelation. But good thoughts. And this will probably take us two weeks, but that take home thing, 
references to the bad guys in Revelation. And if you want to go a little deeper than that, do we see references of those bad guys maybe in other places, like in the Old Testament, maybe like in Daniel or some other books like that, just saying. Uh, but look for those things uh, and write those down, and uh, we'll talk about that when we come back together. Thanks, everybody.